FromTheHeart.org Radio, in collaboration with Mayo Clinic, you are listening to Mayo Clinic Talks with Dr. Bernard Gersh. This is Bernard Gersh at the Mayo Clinic, and uh, back with us today for the second time, I believe, is Dr. Sam Azavathan, who's a professor of medicine and a consultant in the heart rhythm services at the Mayo Clinic. Welcome back, Sam, and today we're going to talk about arrhythmogenic right ventricular dysplasia. Thank you. So uh, maybe I can just begin by trying to give us some clinical perspective. I mean, it's a, it's a very interesting condition, I know, and uh, as we will hear, but how important is it? I mean, how frequently do we see it, and uh, why, why should we be so aware of it, or is it just a rarity that sits out there? So... ARVD or ARVC, arrhythmogenic right ventricular dysplasia or cardiomyopathy, is a far more common condition than generally recognized. Uh, Rates for incidence of morphological dysplasia are as frequent as 1 in 1,000 or 1 in 1,200. Uh, Often it's clinically unrecognized because we don't have good imaging modalities uh, for right ventricular characterization. These patients often come to our attention, unfortunately, because of an arrhythmic event, most commonly sudden cardiac death that may have been resuscitated. Sam, in the from the perspective of young people with malignant ventricular arrhythmias, where does... Uh, this fit in? Is it um, the commonest cause? Uh, and I'm, I'm including outflow tract tachycardia. I realize that that may not always be malignant, but in young people with ventricular arrhythmias. So if we, if we look at that question of, you know, how frequent this is from two patient populations or clinical scenarios, one is the issue of sudden death in a young athlete. Overall, this is the second most common cause. After hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And in situations or countries where there is routine screening for hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, this becomes the most common cause. Like Italy. As in Italy. So in Italy, in fact, it's, um, it's a more frequent cause of sudden death in athletes than hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, but we should emphasize that in Italy, everybody is screened, all athletes are screened with an electrocardiogram. Yes. And uh, possibly an echo. Yes, the situation in Italy may be different for several reasons. One is there is routine screening for hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Second, there have been some very high-profile deaths in uh, football or soccer players with arrhythmogenic right ventricular dysplasia. And the penetrance of this same condition in Italian populations uh, genetically is uh, more far-reaching than in other situations. Sam, it is a cardiomyopathy. So just describe the morphology or the morphologic patterns of ARVD or ARVC. So ARVC is a peculiar condition where the right ventricle is predominantly affected, and the reason for this is unknown. Uh, What happens... Uh, pathologically is replacement of muscle tissue with either fat or fibrofatty changes. And this gives the two main variants of ARVC. But it can with time also affect the left ventricle over time. It appears that 
left ventricular, the left ventricle being affected by the fatty infiltration type is very rare, but in the fibrofatty type, up to 30% can, can have some involvement, usually of adjacent region, regions of the left ventricle. So it really presents with dilatation and diminished function in the right ventricle with or without dilatation and diminished function in the left ventricle. That's right. And the pattern of inheritance? The pattern of inheritance usually is autosomal dominant, uh, but it has very marked variation in the penetrance. So in other words, uh, in certain types and certain population, it behaves like a classic autosomal dominant disease with frequent uh, occurrence of family members having the problem. Whereas in the populations often seen in our practice, uh, the penetrance is less uh, significant. So get on to diagnosis. And I know a number of uh, societies have established criteria. But really, if you could just describe the um, diagnostic, not techniques, but um, the major diagnostic features, and we can get into the criteria afterwards. So ARVC can be a difficult diagnosis to establish. Uh, the classic useful uh, modalities to diagnose are the EKG, the echocardiogram, right ventricular angiography, and as close as we get to a gold standard, the MRI. So the ECG first. The ECG may show uh, a characteristic abnormality called the epsilon wave which is late depolarization in the right ventricle, suggesting there's an area of conduction slowing. Echocardiography may show right ventricular enlargement or right ventricular dysfunction. MRI changes can be quite classic with uh, hypokinetic segments, dysplastic segments, uh, fat uh, being recognized in intramyocardially and a very characteristic pattern of sub-epicardial involvement before you get uh, transmural involvement. Sam, and you also talk about right ventricular angiography, but what about the CT scan? The CT scan can also be used to make this diagnosis. Uh, can be difficult uh, with CT to look at wall motion simultaneous with the fibrofatty so changes. you use MRI as the gold standard? I think at present that would be best. There are exceptions. For example, if the patient already has an ICD. Second is if there is very frequent ectopy or non-sustained VT that could make gating of the MRI difficult. But there's also the potential to overdiagnose. I mean, we have a, we're in a beast society and there's a lot of um, epicardial fat pads that are seen. And um, what are the essential components to avoid overdiagnosing this? It's really a composite data type diagnosis. That is, if we have ectopy that looks like it's from the right ventricular free wall, the morphology of the ectopy, and we see fat that's sub-epicardial, it's unlikely that this will be an overdiagnosis. Well, what I wanted to pin you down on, on in, in regard to is this. It's, it's not just the presence of fat, isn't it also the presence of dysfunction in it, those segments? The characteristic is fat with associated fibrous changes, 
And these fibrous changes are what give the manifestations of dysfunction, uh, wall motion abnormalities, and the EKG changes. So would you, would you make the diagnosis in the presence of fat with completely normal wall motion? Usually, in that case, the only way we would come to a diagnosis is to have some ancillary data, like characteristic type of ventricular tachycardia, or if the patient had an EP study and we found markedly abnormal myocardial electrograms on the right ventricular free wall. And the criteria established by the various societies, are they major and minor criteria? As, as uh, you mentioned, much like rheumatic heart disease or some of the very difficult to diagnose conditions, endocarditis, there are established criteria, major and minor criteria, to help us to make this diagnosis. But in general, if there are clear-cut EKG manifestations and structural manifestations, then the patient will get the diagnosis. So let's get into management. Obviously, in the beginning, what is the management of a patient with symptomatic VT? Not necessarily out of hospital cardiac arrest, but symptomatic VT. So if a patient comes to us with symptomatic VT but has never had an out-of-hospital arrest, we look at the morphology of the VT. If it is in the right ventricular outflow tract, this could be very commonly a benign variant of VT. It could also reflect dysplasia. So we then look for further clues. Is there an abnormality in the resting EKG? Is the right ventricle dilated? Are there multiple morphologies of VT? Are any of the VT morphologies suggestive of free wall origin? Right ventricular dysplasia notoriously affects the right ventricular free wall. Yeah, but how does that affect management? So if we find that right ventricular dysplasia is a consideration, the patient will get an MRI. And if right ventricular dysplasia is diagnosed, most always we would recommend a defibrillator in addition to medical and ablative therapy. Okay, so that's that's an important point to bring out. Ablation alone is not going to suffice because this is a progressive disease. Most forms of right ventricular dysplasia are progressive, although it appears that there are some variants, especially post-ablation, that uh, seem to be non-progressive with follow-up of 5 to 10 years. But you would still put it in ICD? At the, at the present time in all patients. So yes. now the problem, which is also a problem in hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, how do you manage the um, genotype positive, phenotype negative patients? So, um, uh, well, actually I wouldn't really call it genotype positive, phenotype negative, but how would you manage the patient who has a family history of arrhythmogenic right ventricular dysplasia, but they, and they have it, they have ARBC or ARBD, but they haven't had arrhythmias. If Do you the, give them a defibrillator? Most of the time, we would place a defibrillator if they have ARVC. When there is a doubt, an EP study can be very useful in these patients. Unlike in hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, right where the arrhythmia right. of note is ventricular fibrillation. Here, it's monomorphic VT, which can be diagnosed well with EP study. So what I really want to pin you down on, 
because you say that in some societies the penetrance is really very high, so therefore if there is one family member, there's a high likelihood to be another family member. And they have ARVD or ARVC, but there are no arrhythmias. No PVCs, nothing. Would you, but one member of the family has had an out-of-hospital arrest and they have an ICD. Is that an indication for an ICD? Yes, given the nature of this disorder and the fibrofatty changes almost always being a substrate for VT, it would be very difficult not to place an ICD in those So the patients. key message really for our audience is that all other therapies other than the ICD are um, adjunctive. Yes, certainly for the symptomatic patient who's had an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, Although there is data emerging that there are some forms which appear to be less malignant than others. But if they've had a possible. cardiac arrest, they've had a cardiac arrest. That's a very simple situation. But, but really what you're saying is everybody will get an ICD because yes. their relatives, if they have the disease, will get an ICD. Even if they have stable VT, which you may be able to ablate, they will still get an ICD. And uh, I think the last uh, two questions quickly... Sam, or is there any particular antiarrhythmic drug that one would use as adjunctive therapy? And I emphasize adjunctive, but you know, you've got the ICD in, but you want to prevent it discharging. Beta blockers and antiarrhythmic agents with potent beta blocking action appear to work better in most variants of ARVC. So which ones are those? Propofenone? Uh, prop- uh, propofenone, but most commonly sotalol. The reason for this is also unclear, but some variants of ARVC affect the ryanidine receptor and can be exquisitely exercise sensitive. Finally, Sam, um, the role of genetic testing, universal? Yes, so uh, when suspected or diagnosed, genetic testing has a role. However, only about half of patients with clear-cut morphologic and electrical evidence of ARVC have a defined genetic abnormality. Of the ryanidine receptor. Well, that's just one of the seven or eight variants that have been described. The most common affected portion of the cardiac uh, tissue is the desmosome, and desmosomal abnormalities are seen in the uh, described families with ARVC. And for people, simple people like myself, what is a desmosome? The desmosome is a part of myocardial tissue that helps connect one cardiac myocyte to another. And when these are destroyed or affected, cell-to-cell adhesion uh, is a problem. Cells peel away from each other and can provoke the process. And that's responsible for the slow conduction abnormality. Yes. Any final word of wisdom, Sam? I think ARVC is very, it's very important for general cardiologists and physicians to be aware of this diagnose, diagnosis. It's far more underdiagnosed and unconsidered as, an, uh, as a possibility than it is overdiagnosed. Thank you very much for joining us, Sam. You've been listening to Mayo Clinic Talks with Dr. Bernard Gersh. Visit theheart.org to find out more.